Would you turn with me? We're going to talk a little bit about angels tonight. Last week when I, when I got to sharing with you about the, the benefits of being planted, if you weren't here, believe me, it's a message you want to hear because I gave you some scriptures that you can hold up before the Lord and say, Father, because I'm in the right church, you've called me here, you've planted me with this pastor, I have a right to certain privileges. I have a right because I've been planted to flourish and to prosper. And that's what the Lord said. He said, talk to them about being planted. That was last Friday night. He said, talk to them about being planted and about the increase that comes because of it. So that's what we shared last week. And then as I was preparing that message, halfway through my preparation time, I heard the Lord say, and when you you're done that. Now, I thought it was the same sermon. I thought it would all be in one night, but I guess it was ended up being in two weeks. He said, when you're done that, he said, talk to them about angels and how they, how they're connected to their increase. Because uh, there's been a prophecy that came out recently that was very uh, unusual and profound in many ways uh, that God spoke through my wife about angels and increase. And I feel that God wanted some emphasis placed on that because uh, when he speaks like that, we should pay attention. And so uh, there's this, and there's lots of things that, listen, you're love walk is connected to your increase. <laughs> your confession is connected to your increase. So there's not just these two things. These are just what he highlighted. He said, talk to them about being planted and their faithfulness. And then they can hold it up to me and say, father, I've been planted. I've been faithful. I have a right to flourish in, in the courts of my God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Some people do that, but they're maybe not where God wants them to be. And so God didn't plant them. And so they're holding that verse up, but it doesn't work because he didn't plant them there. They planted themselves because the church was nice and close to their house, and now they don't have to drive very far. Do you understand? Oh, yeah. There was somebody that joined our church a little while ago, and when I asked them why they joined, they said, well, you're closer than the other church. And I looked at him and I says, well, sir, I'm so glad you're here because I'm closer. But I said, uh, I, you know, we don't even arguing with people because they don't understand. Maybe if they'll sit under the word, they'll get some revelation. But uh, it's, it's, it doesn't make you feel like they're very engaged when they're only here because you're the closest church to their house. That's a carnal thought process. Now, if they'll stay under the word that they'll get renewed. Praise God. Because they, what if it wasn't, what if, what if a good church wasn't the closest one to their house? Then what happens? Then they go to somewhere else, good convenience sake, because they don't want to spend time on the road and all this stuff. And then they don't get, they don't, they're not planted. See, Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, he said, God sets them in the body as it pleases him, not as it pleases your gas bill. Do you understand? As it pleases him. So our job is to find out what pleases you. Where, where is the place I'm planted? So some people, they, they hold these verses up, but they're not where they should be. So that's why it don't work for them. Do you understand? It doesn't work for them because they're not where they should be. He never planted them to begin with. So they can't really claim planted verses if he never even planted them. But if he planted them and you know he's planted you and you know this is home and he's born witness that this is, this is your pastor and this is home. If that's what he's done, then you can claim and say, Father, I've been planted. I have certain rights. Amen. Amen. That's what he highlighted last Friday. And then today, uh, well, last Friday, but it, we're in, ended up doing it today, is about angels and their connections. So let me read you this prophecy that was last Wednesday, July 22nd. Last Wednesday, not a couple days ago, but a week and a couple days ago. And it says, it's, this is what the Lord said through song. She's never prophesied in song before. But this is what uh, she prophesied through song. It's not a song, but she prophesied in song. And, and this is what the Holy Ghost said. It's like a rush of a chariot. It's like the rush of angels. There's a mighty army descending from God's hills. Mighty treasures being outpoured from the vaults of heaven as God declares. And it's a rushing warfare, and it shall be financed. 
and the gold and the silver, they shall come. And so we prophesy for God's kingdom, it will come, it will draw nigh. It's like the rush, it's like a rush of chariots. It's a rush of God's army and the angels helping us will cause it to come to pass. So there was a, God is saying there's a rush of increase coming, but those angels are connected with that rush. Did you see that from that prophecy? What God is saying is the angels are causing it to come to pass. The angels are coming from God's hills. The angels are rushing, but those vaults of heaven and the gold and the silver and what the vision needs is coming. There's a rush of it coming. Now listen, I don't know if you're half dead tonight, like the, like the 10 o'clock service and the 1 o'clock service on Sunday. It's every week it's different. I don't know who the dead crowd's going to be. I, I hope you're not. But if I, listen, if I was sitting there and I heard Pastor Nancy say, there's a rush of increase coming, I know what most of you are thinking. That's why you don't respond. You're thinking, oh, great. God's going to bless Promise of Life Church and we're going to be able to buy a building or do this or do that. And, and you, you, missed the, you missed what God's saying. How do you think he's going to bless Promise of Life Church? He's going to bless Promise of Life Church through Promise of Life Church. Who is Promise of Life Church? 140 Capital Court or human beings? He blesses the church through people. Now, he's not limited to just the membership. He can do it through anybody. But let me tell you, if he says there's a rush coming into the church, that means there's a rush coming to you and through you. It can't just be to you or it will never get to the church. But there's a rush coming to you and through you in order to get to the church. And don't worry, God will let you keep some of it. I'll let him decide how much and you decide what percentage. I know 10% he already owns, so don't mess with that. But then that offering, you know, with my business that I started this year, he said to me, he said, son, I want you to give more in your offering than you do in your tithe because this is something extra I've blessed you with. So I said, okay, so Lord, and, and so I give 25% of everything that comes in. That's just the number I picked. He didn't tell me I had to do that. But I said, well, if I, I, I don't have a physics degree, but I could add 10 plus 10 equals 20. So it has to be more than 20. <laughs> right, brother? Because he said more than the tithe. So it has to be more than 20. So I just, now I know some of you thinking, well, bless God, if I were you, I would have given 50%. Well, then do it. <laughs> and I didn't tell you you can't do it. Why don't you start a business? You rascal, why don't you give 35% instead of judging me? But praise God, every time I write that, I got another check this Sunday coming, praise God. And every time I write that check, I just get so happy. I said, Lord, this wouldn't have existed if I hadn't obeyed you. I obeyed you and you blessed me. And look, look, I get to honor you with this. See, that, that's part of the, that's a little tiny part, but it's part of the rush. See, so he had to come to me in order to get through me, and he still let me keep some. Of course, the government also wants a little bit of some. And I've been talking uh, on the phone to our prime minister, telling him he's not going to get anything from my business this time. But he told me that if I don't, that I'll find myself in a nice uh, holiday house uh, with, with uh, these long metal things in front of me that uh, I have a lot of fun there, but I just can't leave anytime I want. He said, if you'd like to go there for free, we'll even feed you for free. But uh, you better, you better, you better give me part of that business. You better give me part of that business. I said, I bind you. I said, I bind you, Prime Minister Trudeau. I bind you. I bind your cabinet. I bind all of you. And then the Holy Ghost said, did not I say, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's? Oh, Lord, don't tell me that. My God. So that means I have to, I don't want to go to the holiday house where I get free meals, but I can't leave whenever I want. <laughs> 
So praise God. The government gets some, God gets some, and I get the leftovers. Praise the Lord. But there has to get to you in order to get through you. And he, he wants, so when I say that, when the, when the Holy Ghost says that, we should be saying, that means I'm about to get blessed. Amen. I think you just automatically think the church is about to get blessed, but obviously it means you're about to get blessed. Amen. That means God wants to bless you with some extra. He wants to bless you with some extra so that you get some extra that stays with you, but you also funnel some extra so that that rush starts to come. So the vision can go forward. Praise God. Hallelujah. So just be anticipating. Just obey the Holy Ghost, whatever he says. Don't try to start a business because somebody else started a business. Don't do a second job because you heard somebody else did a second job. Just be led by the Spirit. Say, Holy Ghost, what is my role? What is my part? I want a part to play. He might just say, I want you to do this. I want you to make that and sell that. He might say, I want you to, I don't know what he'll say, but he'll show you over time if you'll just wait on him and not try to, not try to force it and not try to be all stressed all the time and just wait in his presence and just love on him and fall in love with him. He'll start to drop ideas in you. He'll start to speak to you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know how it started with me? Because I never thought ever I would do anything other. And I only spend about an hour a week. So, I mean, an hour a week is nothing, <laughs> really. Maybe two hours if I'm ambitious. But I'm not usually very ambitious. So, usually it's an hour. That's all I spend on what I do. It's just an hour a week. So, I'm not making lots of money. But whatever I do, it's an increase to our family. It's an increase to the church. It's an example to you. But you know how that came? It wasn't because I've ever had a desire for it. In fact, I have the opposite. I don't have a desire for it. It just means more work. It means more paperwork. It means more everything. I just would rather do other things that are fun instead of trying to do money-related things. But I was sitting here, and Dr. Jerry Savell was walking back and forth in front of our church, and he made just a simple statement. See, you've got to pay attention when you're in church because sometimes a statement that is said impacts you in a way that you never thought it would impact you. And I simply heard him say, uh, there's, an anointing, there's an anointing on me to prosper outside the ministry. And I thought they meant not only to prosper outside the ministry. And he said, and I have found my area of anointing to prosper. And, and, and he talked about real estate. And about that's an area that God has used him over the years and he's made, I won't share publicly because it's not public, but he shared with me some stuff privately. And let me tell you, God, God has blessed that man abundantly. Amen. Nothing to do with the ministry at all. Just being led by the spirit in buying properties and then at the time that God says selling properties. That was his anointing. So I talked to him in the back room and then he told me the other ministers that, that, that I know the names of and you would too, uh, the different areas where God's got their anointing. And he said, now, I don't try to do what Jesse does. He said, it won't work for me because God didn't anoint me to do what Jesse DePlantis does. But God anointed Jesse in his area and it produces outside the ministry for him. And God anointed me in my area. I stay in my lane. And he mentioned another, another, another way to make money, which is more similar to what God's anointed me to do. And he said, I know other ministers that do X. And he said, and I said, Lord, why don't I get involved in that? And the Lord said, I didn't anoint you for that. I anointed you for this. Just stay in your lane and I'll bless you. And don't let it distract you from your call, from your office, from the needs of the people, from my presence. It's just a bonus. But don't let it distract you. That's what I've anointed you. Don't try to do something I haven't anointed you to do. See, this is, uh, these are little nuggets if you're paying attention. So we all got to find, you can try a lot of things, but what are you anointed to do? That's what you've got to find out. And don't try to imitate or copy anybody else because what you're anointed to do is very unique to you. And God has a way to bless you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Open up your hearts. 
for the Holy Ghost to speak to you and minister to you because he so desires you to have more than you have. Some of you, you just have to get a job. It's not that complicated and he'll bless you as you walk. Others of you, he might tell you to lessen your job. Maybe you've got three jobs and he wants you on purpose to lessen it by faith so that you use, learn to use your faith to trust him for the difference and then he may give you something else or a side thing here or that there or whatever. I'm just saying learn to pray so much in the Holy Ghost that it's almost as fluent with you as English where you're praying out, you're praying out the plan, you're praying out the mystery for tomorrow, you're praying out the mystery, you're praying out the mystery. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just feel prompted to say these things. I'm getting to angels in a second and I'll go quick when I get there, but I, I want to follow the Holy Ghost so I don't displease him. But I'm, I'm prompted to remind you of that businessman that I, that I dealt with years and years ago, many years before we started this church. I was traveling on the road and he came up to me and he said, I'm a businessman and I've been fairly successful, but I'm in a, I'm in a slump. He said, I don't know what's going on. There's no recession. There's no bad things happening out there in the world, but I've just, I just, I don't know what it is. I've just hit a wall. My business won't grow. It's always grown, but it's not growing. He said, I've had to lay off staff. He said, uh, and he said, I, I've, I've just put in, I think he said 60, 50 or $60,000 in advertising, whatever it was, it was a large amount. And he said, I'm not getting any return on that. Normally the advertising works. It's not working. He said, I just, I, I, I'm at my wits end. I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. And, uh, and, and the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, he reminded me of a story of another minister that I'd heard Dr. Dufresne talk about. And Dr. Dufresne had told this minister this instruction. And he said, tell him what Dr. Dufresne told the other, the other, the other not minister, businessman. And I said, sir, I said, if you, will, if you will wake up a little bit earlier. And I said, if you'll go in, and I said it by the Spirit, because I don't get legalistic on the time. The Spirit of God prompted that. But I said, if you go in an hour before you start work, just one hour. That's a big sacrifice because you have to get up an hour early. Everything has to be backed up an hour now. That means you have to go to bed an hour earlier the night before. That means you may not be able to watch all your TV shows. I said, but if you'll sacrifice and get up an hour earlier and get into that office before your staff get there and begin to walk the floors, walk the floors, walk the floors before anybody's there, just you. And I said, and just pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Holy Ghost and pray out the mystery for this business. Just start to do that. Just go back and forth and start to do that. I said, if you'll do that, watch what God does. And just like that minister, that, Dr. Dufresne, that businessman, Dr. Dufresne had talked about, that guy started doing that one hour. What, listen, if you're not used to praying in tongues, one hour feels like five hours. If you're not skillful with quietening your mind. Because your mind's not, not useful when you're praying in the spirit. You've got to learn to quieten it because it will try to go all over. And so he started doing that. And I'm telling you, it wasn't six months that he said to me, he said, the thing is booming. He said, I have to hire more staff. He said, I haven't put one more dollar in advertising. So it's obviously not the advertising. He said, but I don't understand what's happening. Everything is surging. Everything is picked up and I can't keep up. I have to hire staff. And, and see, the Holy Ghost was trying to teach that businessman. You're trying to do everything up here, but you don't know everything. But the spirit who knows everything, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 14, the spirit who knows the deep things of God, he knows the mind of God. He knows everything. He knows the problems. He knows, the, he knows what's going on in the markets. He knows, the, he knows where the clients are that God wants you to have, but they're not coming. He knows where they are. He knows why they're not coming. He knows everything about every situation all the time. And he's in you. 
And when you're yielding to him and you're praying out in the Holy Ghost as he gives you utterance and you're praying out the answer and the mystery and the perfect will of God for that business, for those scenarios, he is able to work on your behalf because you've yielded your vessel to him. And he's not only able to give you supernatural knowledge about things to come, but he'll also fix a lot of things for you that you don't even know that he's fixing behind the scenes. Now you mix that with the eight C's. You mix that with faith. You mix that with praise. You mix that with telling the devil to take his hands off it. You mix that with releasing the angels. You mix that praying with faith, and it's a powerful combination. But God did it for that man without him even understanding faith. So it tells me that God is not so limited where where if, if you don't understand all the doctrine of everything, that he can't help you. He looks at the heart. The person just did what he knew to do, what God told him to do, and he just prayed. And just that praying, even though he probably wasn't operating in faith, what we would call faith, Taylor, but just obeying God in that capacity got an answer for him. Now, could you imagine if he had learned faith and learned how to speak and learned about angels and how much more could have happened for him? But just praying out mysteries caused that increase to come. So some of you, you, you're learning faith, you're learning the eight C's, but spend time praying in the Holy Ghost over, over your finances, over the job that you work. Pray for the company. Stop cursing your boss with your words. Oh, I can't. You're not, you're not helping your company. You're not helping yourself. And by the way, you're displeasing God. Start to, whether they're good or bad or ugly or somewhere in between, just say, Lord, they've hired me to do a job. I'm going to work to the best of my ability for them. Lord, they may not be the most righteous person and they may not even like me, but I'm asking for wisdom for my sake. I need you to show them how to make this company profitable because if it's not profitable, I lose. So if you don't do it for them, Father, do it for me because I'm a covenant man. So I pray over and I bless this company and I bless that boss and I bless the board of directors and I thank you for the spirit of wisdom on them. Now, Father, for this company, for me to prosper, this company has to prosper. So I pray out the mysteries now for this company. You can do that. And you should do that for your company. See, that's why they don't realize they're blessed if they hire Christians that understand these things because they've actually got supernatural power. They didn't just hire somebody to do a job. They hired somebody with supernatural power to help them. Amen? I don't just hire these wonderful people uh, to do a job. I hire them for their faith. And I noticed that things weren't going 100% right in a few different areas. And so I was saying, Lord, what's going on? Because I'm using my faith. What's going on? And the Holy Ghost spoke to me earlier this week. And actually, it was on Monday, uh, Sunday, last, a week ago. And he said, uh, ask the staff if they're still praying. I said, well, of course they're still praying. He said, he, listen, when God talks to you that way, he's giving you a hint. He said, ask the staff if they're still praying. I said, but why wouldn't they be praying? I didn't tell them to stop praying because they have prayer meetings every week, one prayer meeting a week. So I called, uh, I called him up and I said, are you praying? I said, Reverend Taylor, you're the associate pastor. Are you praying? He said, Pastor, I've let that slip. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, and that's why things have been slipping. So I said, Taylor, you better, you better watch it. I said, I take this very seriously. I said, when I give instruction, I expect the instruction to be followed or there's going to be a problem. Now, I assumed instruction had been followed, but it wasn't being followed. But you see, the Holy Ghost knew. The Holy Ghost gave some time for them to get it right. They weren't getting it right. So he tells me that there's no, there's no punishment. There's not, no consequences. We're not hard, hard, hand, we're not heavy handed. But the Holy Ghost is trying to get us to not just do our paper pushing job. 
The Holy Ghost is trying to get my staff to stay in the spirit and use their faith. I didn't just hire them to push paper. I hired them for their faith. Because I need more than paper pushers and phone answers to make this church work. I need people that have the spirit of faith about them. I need people that can gather together and love each other and not get offended with each other, even though they're very different. And sometimes we can rub each other the wrong way. But I need people to get along and stay in unity and, and, and just start to praise and in faith and just storm heaven and pray out the mystery. Because that is very important to how things outflow in this congregation. Praise God. I'm not saying that to embarrass. I'm just, I'm giving you an example that, that we don't just, we don't just hire people at the church to do a physical job. We hire them for their faith as well. Amen. And your boss hired you for a physical job, but he didn't realize what he got in you. He got a great treasure. Oh my Lord. If they knew what they got in you, what you bring in faith to that company far exceeds whatever you do in your paper pushing. Oh my Lord. And maybe one, maybe don't do it in the flesh, but maybe the Holy Ghost will let you one of these days. Just, just maybe he'll open up an opportunity and he'll say, speak now. And don't speak unless he tells you to. But maybe he'll open up a door where you say, well, the reason it's blessed is because of me. And that sounds narcissistic, but if you've been bringing your faith to it, it's more than just natural things that's making it blessed. It's because of your faith bringing it to it. But make sure the Holy Ghost tells you to do it because if you say that in the flesh, you might find yourself without a job <laughs> or a demotion <laughs> because the, the, the chiefs, the CEOs have this belief system that it's all because of them, <laughs> not the peon down the, down the ladder. But if the peon's got faith, the Lord is helping that blessing, that whole thing because of that person. So don't ever underestimate. Hallelujah. That's why you don't ever have to worry if people there are, are, are gender conscious or race conscious or whatever. You don't ever have to worry because the blessing of Abraham is going gonna, is gonna to make sure that you prosper no matter who stands in your way. And if they, if they mistreat you, don't you worry. The Holy Ghost already got something prepared long before they even started mistreating you. He already got the plan. He knows exactly if you'll just stay in the spirit and be led by the spirit, you'll never, you'll never lack. You'll never fail for nothing. Nobody can ever hurt you if you, if you truly believe. If you truly say, Lord, and nobody could touch Abraham. Looked like he was getting a raw deal with Lot, but he said, listen, you take the best land. And Lot stupidly followed that instruction. What he should have said is, is uncle, I'm staying with you. Because it doesn't matter where the good land is. It matters where the blessing is and the blessings on you. Now the blessings on all of us in the New Testament, but back then it was only on one man. You had to be around that one man, just like Jesus. You had to be around Jesus or you didn't get things. You had to be around Abraham or you didn't get things. But Lot decided to get away because he thought that his ambition, that his knowledge, that his wisdom, that his PhD, so to speak, was going to make him prosper. And he got, he got away from it. And then he starts getting into around the sinful people and getting into Sodom and all. He lost everything. But notice that Abraham, who took the lesser land, step, it kept increasing. Because when the blessing's on you, you can't help but float. The blessing of God is like a, those, those, what do you call those things where you, where you put them on? Life preservers. That's what the blessing is. You can get into deep water. It'll make you float. You can even get pushed down a little bit. It's going to bubble you right back up to the surface. People can push you down and say, you're not going to. You're not going to. But the blessing of God just goes. And they keep bobbing up. Hi. How you doing? I got them now. They're dead for sure. And the blessing of Abraham. Hi. You can't keep, you can't keep a covenant man down. Hi. <laughs> 
I'm serious. I'm telling you something about it. Now, praise God. Taylor, I told you to stop pulling on me, so stop it. Now, Malachi 3, quickly. There is 200 while you're looking that up because I know some of you, it takes a long time. <laughs> I love bugging you. Praise the Lord. Malachi 3. But while you're looking that up, there's 261 times in the Old Testament where the phrase is found, the Lord of hosts. 261 times. If you ever want to do a Bible study on your own, look up every reference where God says the Lord of hosts. Because every one of those 261 times gives you a little bit more insight into the ministry of angels. When God says Lord of hosts, he is actually, the, it's the Hebrew word Saboeth, and it means army of angels. So when it says Jehovah uh, the Lord of hosts, L-O-R-D is Jehovah. It's, it's said in English, Lord, but it's Jehovah. So it's Jehovah Saboeth, which is translated the Lord of hosts, but it's actually the lit literal translation is the Lord of the armies of angels. So every time you see the, and you see it a lot if you read the Bible, every time you see Lord of hosts, look up what it's talking about because it will give you insight. God said that particular phrase, Joe, because he wants to give us a hint. Angels are involved in this scenario. Angels are working in this scenario. That's why he gave us that particular phrase. So to take some time and study. We spend so much time on so many other things in life. Make sure that studying the word is the most precious and the most important. And that you spend time doing it. You don't have to. I'm not telling you to. I'm just saying. If you do that study, it's a fascinating study to see how many times God references angels. Now it's kind of, a, it's kind of hidden because you just see Lord of hosts. You think it's just talking about God. But it's talking about God who is over the angel army. And angels are involved in what God is doing there. Amen? The first time it's mentioned just for interest's sake is 1 Samuel 1, 3, where it says the Lord of hosts. That's the first time. And then it go, the, well not, it's one of the main times. And then, of course, it goes on. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. It's mentioned hundreds of times in the Old Testament. Look it up. It will bless you. Now, let me give you one example because I, I, I'm not, my purpose here isn't to give you an exhaustive study on all 261 times. I think you can look that up on your own. But let me just read you, for example, one time is in the book of Malachi because remember we're talking about angels connected to blessing. So I want to give you a scripture reference about the Lord of hosts as it relates to money. So Malachi chapter 3 in verse 9, you, uh, uh, will a man rob God? Verse 8, yet you have robbed me. But you say, how we robbed you in tithes and offerings. Pretty simple. Notice it said offerings too. So he, he owns a part of your offering. He just didn't tell you how much. But to give 10%, you're still a robber. You got you to give an offering to the Lord as well. Not to, he already owns the tithe, so you're just returning what he already owns. So if you don't give an offering, you haven't really given anything because the offering is what you own. The money is what you own, and then you give him something from that out of the rest of the 90%, you give him something. Whatever that amount is, is your offering, but that's the seed that you sow. Otherwise, you really just return to him what he already owned. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like Taylor saying, pastor, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, loan you my computer. And I say, thank you, my brother. That's so awesome. And so I, I use his computer and he says, can I have it back? And I say, yeah, I'm, I'm not done. I'll give it back to you in a few, in a few days. I really need it back. Okay. And so his birthday is coming up and I says, you know what? I, I'll, I'll give it to you on your birthday. And so I make a big show and I, and I give him his computer back on his birthday. Aren't I great? There it is. Happy birthday. What do you think he's going to say? That's it? 
That's not a present. It's mine. You gave me back what I gave you and then made it seem like you were blessing me. That's exactly what Christians do every week. The tithe is not yours. You don't own it. It's not yours. If you touch it, you're going to make him upset. He'll give you mercy, but over time, it's going to bite you. You just take yourself out of position from the blessing. Because the Bible says very clear, this is old and new, because Hebrews 7, 8 talks about the New Testament. Jesus, uh, the bridge, talked about tithes being right in the, in the bridge between the old and the new. Zechariah talks about tithing in the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is the next dispensation. It's transdispensational. So you don't just stumble because it's Old Testament reference. So I don't come to God with something that he already owns, that he trusted me to return and make it sound like I'm shooting the moon. And then when I bring him back his laptop and I say, here it is, but happy birthday. And I pull out a loony and I say, get yourself a small coffee. <laughs> Be blessed. Because that's what most people do. They tithe and then they throw in a loony or they throw in a toonie or they throw in a five bucks. It doesn't even come to even half a percent of what the, of what the, the tithe is 10. It doesn't even come to half a percent. It doesn't even come to a quarter of a percent. Not even a quarter of a percent. And they're really, what they're saying is, God, be blessed. Lord, I, I'm so generous. Here it is. Yeah. And then, so they put one tiny seed in the ground. Because the tithe was not a seed. The tithe God owned. The offering is the seed. Yeah. And they put one seed, and then, they, and then they say, Pastor, I don't know. I need, I need to pay off my mortgage. I, I don't know what's going on here. I, I, you, you, you put one seed. So your seed has produced now because you, you keep speaking wrong 30, 60, 100 fold. So maybe you've got 25 seeds from the one because you can't keep your mouth right. So you certainly don't qualify for the 100 fold. So now you've got 20 seeds, but 20, I need, I need a thousand seeds. Well, maybe you should have sowed more seeds. But I, but I thought I was really doing a good job. No, you just returned to God what he already owned and then you gave him a dollar. So he can only work with that dollar. I'm, I'm preaching to myself too because, because God's come to me and he said, you better believe by example, son. You can't preach this and not lead it. And I've been saving money for a long time, Bev. I'm a rat hoarder. I don't buy very much stuff. When I do, I spend too much usually. I buy nice things. But other than that, I don't. I just save, save. This is my personality. I save, I save, I save, I save, I save, I save. And I watch it and I smile and I stroke it and I whisper it. Sleep tight, little buddy. Sleep tight. One day, I'll buy something nice with you. And so when God, when I see that little buddy that I've been stroking for years, and I've built it up over years, saving birthday money, saving Christmas money, saving this, saving that, selling that, getting a good deal. Oh, praise God. I said, Jennifer, that's not the family money. This is my money. Don't touch it. Because it's my thing I sold. I'm not giving to the family. It's my thing. If I sold something that's mine, it's mine. I sell the family item, Tyrone, it's the family's. I'll give Jenny some of it if she's nice to me, but mostly it's mine. And when I see that thing growing, and then all of a sudden, the word of the Lord comes to me and says, I want you to give half of everything that you've saved to the building fund. I tell you exactly where I was. I was on old Boston Mills Road. I had just passed Shinkuzi. I was on my way to Highway 10. I was on that stretch where there's nice farms on either side. And I felt, my, I felt my stomach go out. It felt like my stomach fell out of myself. I felt nauseous. 
I started to sweat. Jenny was sitting beside me. She looked at me. She said, are you feeling okay? I said, no, I'm not feeling okay. I mean, I was sweating. I said, God just spoke to me. She said, if God spoke to you, I'm sure it was good. No, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. You know what he told me to do? But as soon as he said it, and I, I had to accept it, I had to get over it. I had to accept it. You understand? He had to accept it. Then that money no longer be, it's no longer mine. It's in my account, but it's no longer mine. It ceases to be mine. And then to make matters worse, Taylor, Taylor, to make matters worse, my wife says, you know what? I think I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to give half of everything I've saved. And she says it's light. She says it in a light, frothy way. And she's just smiling. Lord, I'm just so grateful to give to you. And I feel like such a heel because I am not smiling. And I am not happy. And I'm not frothy or light. I am feeling the pang. I've saved that thing for so long. And now you want me to give it away? But you see, so just be careful. I'm not saying don't save. I'm just saying if it becomes too important to you, many times God will ask you to sacrifice it. And it, it was becoming too important to me. So he wanted me to sacrifice it. And I said, okay, praise God. Hallelujah. My wife's response was so much more light than mine. But what I'm saying, I'm not trying to make, I'm not a bad person. I'm me. Now, some of you might be the light and frothy Pastor Jenny, and some of you might be the dark espresso Pastor Craig. Did you notice that there's no foam on an espresso? It's dark and it's powerful. That's me. Jenny is the latte. She's frothy and she's light. See, it didn't bother her at all. It didn't bother her at all to give half of everything away. But it bothered me because our personalities are different. But you see, I still obeyed and I got into joy over it and I, I'm not gonna lose my harvest because I'm, see, if you're willing and obedient, you gotta not just be obedient, you gotta be willing. So I had to, listen, if I'm gonna give all that money away, I'm certainly gonna make sure that I'm willing, Victoria. Because otherwise I'll lose my harvest. So it took me the whole way from Boston Mills to the church, which is about 20 minutes, give or take. It took me that long. But believe me, by the time I pulled in this driveway, I was willing. I said, I'm not going to lose my harvest, Father, because my attitude's wrong. I know it took a little bit. I'm having to adjust a little bit. I'm saying that because if God tells you it's okay, it's, it's okay for you to have an adjustment period. You're not sinning. You're not failing God to have an adjustment period because he understands the way you think. That's why I tell you these stories so you can relate to them because some people feel, well, I'm a failure. God's so mad at me because I wasn't, oh, great. Not everybody's a froth person. Some people are dark and powerful like me and they don't want to give it because they've, they've, they've marked it for something. But if you just get obedient and then get willing and then now, then the joy came and then already, 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 already August 30th hasn't even come yet and I'm already seeing a harvest. And I said, but Lord, I don't understand. I haven't even sowed the seed in the ground. How could I see a harvest? I haven't sowed the seed. He said, you sowed it in your heart. He said, I know you haven't physically put it in the plate yet, but you sowed it in your heart. I'm already starting to bless you because, so you never lose. You never lose when you obey God. The, you say, well, you're not talking about angels. I know I'm not talking about angels, but, I, but I'm prompted by the spirit to say these things. So take these little nuggets, take these little stories and let them help you. I gave you a nugget about praying in the spirit over your finances. Do that. I gave you a nugget about sowing seed and not struggling over this returning the tithe like you, like that's a gift to God because it's not. I've given you some counsel about getting willing and it's okay if you, if it takes the breath away from you a little bit. 
Jesse DePlantis said, and he said this publicly, but, but, but they were in a meeting just last year, and, uh, and he, he was out in another service preaching, but his wife was there with Brother whatever, a Copeland or somebody, and he said in the car on the way home that there was, somebody was driving them home, and he said, so what did you give? She said, I gave 50. And he said, oh, okay, that's pretty good. He said, you know, you could have given like a little bit more. I mean, we're blessed. Could have given 100, or maybe even 200. She said, she turned to him and she said, I gave 50,000, Jesse. <laughs> and Jesse's face changed. <laughs> what? I don't know if he said what like that, but it took him a moment to adjust. See, she was frothy and he was espresso. She was the latte and he was the espresso. I'm not saying that they're always like that because I don't know them very well, really at all. But I'm saying in that story, it took even the great man of God a moment to adjust because the offering that God asked was more than what they planned. But when they yielded to it and they got in the willingness about it, that's, that's why you see these people so blessed because they don't give a dollar. They, 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 some people, a dollar is 50,000 to them. So, but, but you've got to know what's your, what's your sacrificial seed. You've got to know what's yours and what's mine may not be yours. So don't stumble over the amount. Follow the spirit and make sure that there's something in you that you go. If you don't feel an offering, especially, you know, these, these big offerings that we do for, for special. If you don't feel it, you're wrong. If you don't feel it, you're not, you, that's not sacrificial. I said, you, but the Holy Ghost will lead you to feel it. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? He'll lead you to say, wow, okay, Lord, I'll do that by faith. Praise God. I, maybe a bit more than I wanted, but if that's what you want me to do, I, you're stretching my faith. Yes. You're stretching me. He don't want you loose and flabby in your faith. He wants to stretch you. Stretch you in your believing, stretching in your sowing. Are you with me? I'm not saying that in any way to manipulate. I'm just saying be led by the Spirit because God is trying to get... A rushing to you. He can't get it if you don't pray in the spirit about it. He can't get it if you don't be led by his spirit about in things that he's trying to get you to, to do so that he can bless you. He can't get it over to you if you don't sow what he tells you to sow. Because yes, sowing your seed, is that's part of the harvest. You need a harvest, but you've got to sow something to get a harvest. So I'm not saying it to manipulate. I'm saying do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do and do it in faith and do it obediently and willingly with joy. And then put your faith with it and watch what God does in a response for you because he, he, he wants to do miracles. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to go real quick now through my verses, but I just felt prompted. So I'm doing that now. Okay, now let's go look at verse 10. All right, Malachi 3.10. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now with here what says the Lord of? He is saying here, when you bring your tithe and you're, and you're, you're saying, Father, I, I'm proving you, I'm testing you. I'm a tither, I have a covenant and you have to open those windows, you have to bless me. Now, he, what did he connect that with? Angels. You see the Lord of hosts? So that you should highlight that or circle it or do something and say, ah, so angels are connected with the windows of heaven opening because of my tithe. Do you see that? Every time you see Lord of hosts, look at what it's talking about. Sometimes it's about protection. Sometimes it's about favor. Sometimes it's about money. Sometimes it's about deliverance. There's lots. Sometimes it's about strength. Sometimes it's about supply. But angels, whenever you see Lord of hosts, it's the angels are working there in that capacity. In this case, do you know, Joe, that when I give my tithe, angels are working. Amen. 
When I give my tithe, angels are working to cause that increase to come to me. Release your faith, not just in God, but in the angels that work with you when you tithe. Actually release your faith that those angels, because this verse talks about them, say, Father, I'm expecting, I'm just plumb expecting that, Lord, not only are you going to bless me, but the angels, I release them in Jesus' name. Angels, hearken to the voice of the word. The Lord says that God of the army of angels causes the windows of heaven to open when I tithe. Angels, go cause it to come to pass. Release your faith in it and it will come to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, have a look quickly at Psalm 103, 21. You still with me? You okay? Amen. Praise the Lord. You're with me still? I know, I know it's Friday night. I know the movie theater is open tonight. But I checked. It's all stupid movies. Jaws, Jurassic Park. You don't want to see that kind of nonsense. You're in here talking about angels with me. Praise God. So don't worry about the movie theater. I know the restaurants are open. Now, some people probably stayed away because of that, my brother. <laughs> but the restaurants are now taking people. Praise God. We're coming out of COVID, Lorraine. We're coming out. I get to go to Heart Sushi again and sit down and have that lady. I can't pronounce any of their names, but they're so nice and they know me because I go there so often. Oh, hello. Nice to see you. I said, nice to see you too. Come, bring me sashimi. Quick, 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 quick. Sashimi, sashimi, quick, quick. And they're so sweet. They love me. And I give them big tips. That's why they love me so much because I give them big tips. And, and, and then when they, when they didn't charge me enough, because you don't get free sashimi at lunch, you only get it at dinner, and the, often we go for lunch, and so they've done this many times, they charge me lunch portion, and I say, I say, come, 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 see, mistake made here, this is not right, you must charge more money to me, and they look at you like you're, like you're on drugs, <laughs> seriously, Lorraine, because they, they don't encounter honest people. Oh, and one of the first time, they were so grateful. The manager came over, his name, I know him too. Hey, you so, thank you for telling, thank you, because come out of her paycheck. I said, I don't want to come out of her paycheck, you take it out of my. I said, I'm rich, I got lots of money. I'm, I'm, I'm rich, I got lots of money. Now, I'm not maybe rich by their standards, but I just keep saying, I'm a major blessing and I'm rich. I'm a major blessing and I'm rich. I want people to know that when they see me, they see somebody honest. They see somebody that's not trying to, not trying to get a deal at somebody else's expense and that gives big tips. Amen. Sometimes I tip more than the meal itself. That's good. Some of you need to learn a little bit of generosity, you giving a $1 thing. That's good. I do that when the Spirit leads me to. I don't do that every time. But I, I, I want to learn to be generous. Because the generous soul, the Bible says, will be fully supplied and made fat. Not the stingy soul. Well, let me be better to the church. Yes, but be generous to everywhere you go. Be generous to strangers. It gives you an opportunity to witness too. And I take, I don't always preach the whole thing. When they say, oh, thank you so much. You know, sometimes, you know, when I used to waiter, I used to waiter. See, I've done a lot of jobs. I used to waiter at a restaurant. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. I used to wait her for many years in Brampton while I worked as a pastor. Couldn't afford to pay me uh, fully uh, enough. Well, she did, but not really. So I started working to supplement my income because some churches just don't have the money. And then I traveled and I certainly wasn't making enough traveling, preaching. So I had to work, I had to work full time as a waiter and, and a traveling minister. And so I would carry, I was a steakhouse and I'd carry out the steaks and I, I got pretty good at it. And I learned how to hold three plates in one hand and three drinks in the other. And I mean, I, that's pretty good, man. I just, I just come around there and praise God. And then I would write on everything as I'd end, I'd say, Jesus loves you, exclamation mark. You don't know how many times people, sometimes they didn't give me any tip because I wrote that. And sometimes they gave me much bigger tips, but it all worked out in the end. But you know how many people said, nobody's ever told me that before? 
I said, well, Jesus does love you, sir. I said, I'm a born again Christian. I said, have you ever heard about Jesus? Well, yes, I've heard of, well, then has he, has he come into your, I just, just a bulldog. Now that's just my flow. You can just, you can do whatever you want. You can try to, you just do your flow. But I would just talk to them. Sometimes I'd be real aggressive. Sometimes I'd be real sweet. Sometimes I'd see them that they had something wrong with them. And I'd say, you know, if, if, would, you, would you like me to pray for you? Well, not here in the restaurant. I said, sure, why not? Not here in the restaurant. And I'd just lean over. I'd say, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal this precious lady right now. So you've got, to live, you've got to live this everywhere you go. Just be careful because at, at, at the boss, I had an Indian boss and he really liked me. And he, he, was a, he was a Hindu, but he really liked me. And I'd tell him that I'm a Christian. I'm actually a pastor and a Christian and I worked so hard and he knew my work ethic. He didn't, he didn't bother me when I reached out and I'd put my hand on somebody and say, in Jesus' name, be healed. He'd just look at me, but he wouldn't fire me because I'm a hard worker. Yes. Yeah. If you're a slob and a slack and then you try to pray for the sick, no wonder they fire you. You're stealing paper clips and then praying for the sick? <laughs> anyway, I don't even know why. why did I, what was I talking about? There was a reason. I wanted to talk about stakes for a second. There was a reason, Taylor, but I can't remember now. You, you, the tips, yes. I can't remember what I was talking Thank you. That is what I was talking about, but I can't remember why I said that. Anyway, the point is I, I've, I've done this. Oh, that's right. Thank you. So I would write on my little things, Jesus loves you. Well, sometimes now that I'm not the, I'm the person being served, I'm not the server, but they'll give me the thing. And sometimes I'll just write on that the same way when I was the waiter. I just write, Jesus loves you, exclamation mark. Put a scripture there and then put my card, the Promise of Life Church card. But don't you dare put Promise of Life Church card when you give them 3%. <laughs> but when I give him, when I give him more than the bill is, then I, I make sure that I, I milk that baby. I give him the card. I say, Jesus loves you. I, Cause I want them to know, ah, Christians aren't broke. They aren't cheap. They aren't robbers. Well, God's done something. God, look at that man. He blessed me so much. There must be something to this. There must be something to this. Praise God. Anyway, I'm, these are little nuggets. You want, you want God to bless you, start to be generous. Don't be chintzy. You can't have the blessing being chintzy. Abraham wasn't chintzy. Praise the Lord. Angels want to help us. Now, what verse did I tell you to go? Psalm 103, is that where I said? Psalm 103 and verse 20. And it says now, the bless the Lord, he is angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of his word. We don't have to repeat that. We've gone through that many times. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts. Ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Angels do his pleasure. Now, you want to know one of the re definitions of the word pleasure here? It means many things. It means to be pleased with, to give favor to, and to satisfy debts. Angels aren't in debt, and God's not in debt. But some of us are. The word pleasure means God wants to satisfy debts. But angels aren't in debts. So who is God doing this pleasure for? Who is God doing this debt cancellation for? Who is God giving favor to? If angels don't need favor and angels don't have debts, but it's God's pleasure to pay debts and to give favor. Well, who's it for? It's for me. It's for me. So have a look now at Psalm 35, 27, and let's tie it together. We're talking about angels and how they help us financially. Psalm 35, 27. And it says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. 
Let them say continually. I wonder if, you, if any of us say it continually, we should start more. Let the Lord be magnified, bigger than my problem, bigger than my sickness, bigger than my financial lack. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants or his children in the New Testament. So angels do God's pleasure, and God's pleasure is that I prosper, so angels are involved in my prosperity. Ain't God is has pleasure to give me favor and cancel debts. Angels do his pleasure and God is pleased when I'm prospered and out of debt and in favor. Amen. Angels are therefore connected to helping me get out of debt. Amen. Angels are therefore connected to giving me favor. Yes. Are you with me? Do you got to believe this? Because if God, if angels do his pleasure and it's his pleasure that I prosper, then angels are connected to everything to do with my prosperity. That, and that word prosperity means more than just money. It's actually an all-inclusive word that means protection. It means deliverance. It means everything. Angels are there to do the whole gamut. It's translated in English prosperity, but it's not, it's not only the word prosperity. It's actually the word shalom where you get peace from. In other words, angels do whatever brings peace. If you're in debt, you don't have peace. They'll help you in that. If you're in danger, you don't have peace. They'll help you in that. If you need to get a job and you need favor, in order to, for them to help you in your peace, they'll give you favor for that job, for that investment, for that business deal. Angels do God's pleasure, and God is pleased when I have peace, including prosperity. That means angels are directly involved in causing me to prosper and to get out of debt and to have supernatural favor. So you can hold these verses up and say, Father, this has to work for me. I'm a righteous one. Praise God. You still with me tonight? Now have a look quickly at, uh, uh, in conjunction to this, because uh, we're talking about favor, Psalm 512. Can you look at there for me, please? I'm giving you verses that you can use about angels. Psalm 512. Now, not all of them say the word angel, but you can now apply because you know that angels are here because the word pleasure means to give favor to. That means angels are connected with our favor. So now good Psalm 512, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou encompass him as with a shield. The word encompass means 360 degrees. It means a shield that completely surrounds you. What is the shield made of? Favor. Now, angels, if God is, has pleasure, pleasure includes giving favor. So angels do God's pleasure, and it's God's pleasure for me to prosper, so angels are involved in my favor acquisition. Do you understand? Now I've got another verse that says, I'm surrounded by favor, like a shield. So you know what I say every day? I say, Father, I thank you that your word says that favor encompasses me about as a shield, and that your, my angels, according to Psalm 103, 21, Lord, your angels, according to Psalm 35, 27, are here to cause me to prosper because they do your pleasure and it's your pleasure that I prosper, including getting favor. So if favor encompasses me about as a shield and angels are helping me with favor, then angels encompass me about as a shield and every direction I go, angels are moving to cause me favor. Amen. But you see, if you don't believe it and if you don't speak it and if you don't mind God of his word, he can't manifest it for you. So you want it to work? It's working for me. I want it to work for you so bad. Sometimes I think I want it to work for you more than you want it to work for yourself. I don't know. Maybe that's not true because maybe you're like my wife and you're a poker player in church and you're focused and you're receiving and you're chewing and you're absorbing and you're, and you're marinating and you're just kind of looking at me with a very, a very blank look like Jenny does many times. But she tells me after, that was such a great message. I'm like, well, I couldn't tell by your face. 
<laughs> I tell that a lot. She goes, Craig, I, 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 I'm focused. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to receive. I'm trying to listen. I can't always smile. I can't always do things. So I says, well, just try a little bit then. Just smile at me a little bit and say, amen. Just amen. So some of you are like my wife. It's okay. As long as you're receiving, whether you, it's good to respond, but as long as you're receiving, that's what I'm after more than any kind of emotional reaction. I want you to catch it because it's powerful. Amen. Now also, now we talked about encompassing us about like a shield. Now look at Psalm 34, 7, because here's another verse that directly talks about angels. Now it's in the context of protection, but angels now we know, according to scripture, encompass us about. So you see, Tyrone, now I can apply that not just to protection, but I can apply that to favor because favor encompasses me about and angels are called to bring, help me to have favor. So angels encompass me about with favor, but also angels encompass me about with protection. Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth about them, round about them, every 360 degrees, every compass point, that fear him and delivereth them. <laughs> now, can I tell you, the word is shalats in the Hebrew, and that word is very interesting. It means to pull things off them. When things kind of get on you, angels are there to help pull them off. That's what the word deliver it means. He'll pull things, they'll pull things off you that are trying to attack you. You know, also, there's many definitions, but you know, uh, you know, another one that I really love, it means equipment. Deliverance in the Hebrew word means to equip. That means I claim, I say, Father, the angel of the Lord encamps about me to deliver me. Father, that means they deliver me from danger. Amen. Father, that also means they, they, they pull things off me that are trying to get on me that shouldn't be on me. And they bring me equipment. They equip me for my call. They equip me with finances. They equip me with protection. They equip me. Angels can bring equipment to help you in your life. Amen. You know, you need clients. That would be, I would consider, part of the equipment. Without that equipment, you can't prosper fully. Angels can bring you clients, can influence people. They don't, they don't take him by the ear and force him to come, but they whisper in them. Like demons influence people to do bad things. Angels influence them to do good things. They influence. And I go to that dealership. No, 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 not that one, that one. No, no. And, and go up to that man over there. Go up to that man over there. You see, you say, well, I, I don't believe that. Well, that's why it doesn't work for you. Yeah. But I believe it. And Gary believes it. And that's why he's blessed. Because angels bring him clients. Yeah. Don't get weird with it. I'm not talking strange stuff now. I'm talking angels can influence people to go to the covenant man. That's called favor. That is giving us equipment. They encompass us about. They pull things off us. They protect us. And they bring us equipment. Hallelujah. My God. That's why it's so important you study the original language because the original is so much richer than English. And when you just see the word deliverance, you think it only means to protect you from danger, but it also means to equip you. Amen. So it's important you study the whole word so you understand, so you can hold that up to God. And you can say, Father, this is what it means. You actually wrote it. English is lesser, but in your language, in the language that the Jews wrote it in, this is what it means, Father. I'm expecting angels to bring me equipment this week. Oh my God, I'm telling you, makes me excited. Now, Genesis 24, 40. Can I go a little, just a touch longer? Uh, I'm not going to be that much longer, but just a touch longer. It's 917. I'm watching the time. Remember, we said these are like Sunday mornings uh, in terms of their, their, their capacity and their, their breadth. So have a look quickly with me at, uh, at, at uh, what did I say? Genesis 24, 40. Now, it's twice in this chapter. I just like verse 40 more, but you can pick the other one if you want. But Genesis 24, 40 says... 
And he said unto me, now remember, the, this is the servant of Abraham that is talking to the family of the wife of Isaac, remember? Yeah. Rebecca's family. And he's recounting what Abraham told him. So if you want the original phrase, you can look earlier in the chapter when Abraham's talking directly to the servant. But I prefer the recounting. I, th I find it more full. And, and he said unto me, Abraham said unto me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. The angel, the Lord will send the, the, his angel with you and prosper your way. Another translation says, prosper you in the way. Yes. Now, if you study that, <laughs> he comes to the thing where they're drawing water. Yes. And he had already asked the Lord, it would be great if she was there. Yes. And she happens to be there at the perfect time. Yes. Don't you think that was the angel involved? Yes. Don't you think the angel caused paths to cross? Don't you think the angel was whispering in her ear and giving her a sense of a desire? She doesn't know why, but she just has to go get water right now. She doesn't know why, but she just has to be there right now. See, sometimes you have a sense of, I just have to do this. I just want to do this. And that's actually angels influencing you to do it. Yes. Do you understand? And she just had to be at that. She didn't know why, but she just, she just, had to be there. And sometimes you don't have to be there, but you just, you just are prompted and you just do it. And you don't even know why, but you just do it. And many times angels are involved in that. And so she's the, that's not, and you see, Holy Ghost can't really work with sinners because he's not in them. He, he can talk to them, but they don't know him. He talks to them with about judgment and sin and, and, and all that kind of stuff to get them saved, but he can't lead them because they're not of covenant. But angels can influence people from the outside, even sinners. See what I'm saying? So angels can influence people that we can't, the Holy Ghost isn't in them, but angels can whisper to them. Yes, Holy Ghost can also, of course, whisper to them. Yes. Holy Ghost and angels aren't in competition. They work together. Yeah. Angels don't compete with God. They're God's servants. They help. Right. So don't worry about thinking, well, I'm hurting the Holy Spirit because we're talking about angels. The Holy Spirit wants us to talk about angels because it's a, it's a supply that he's provided to the, to the church. Yes. Now, this angel went out and caused him to prosper, including cause path, causing paths to cross. Yes. And to timings. Angels have something to do with timings. Because what if he had got there too early or too late? What if she had got there too early or too late? He might have met. Now, eventually he would have found it because he knew where he was going. He was going to that house. It wasn't like he was looking for somebody blindly. But it was just amazing how God timed that so perfectly. And that angel prospered him in the way. So prosper. Angels prospering you includes influencing other people. It includes removing obstacles and roadblocks. It includes causing timings to match. It includes causing paths to cross. So say this verse over you. Remember with my house for, for, for 18 months, I didn't even know about the house. Why was that angel on the roof? I know where he was. He showed me where he was on the roof. I was on the right, hand, the right side of the roof. I saw him there with a sword. I said, my God, Lord, but I didn't even know. He said, he's been there for 18 months. I said, but I haven't even, didn't even release him 18 months ago. He said, you didn't need to specifically, son. I know everything. He said, all you needed to do was confess my word. The angel of the Lord goes before me and prospers me in the way. Hallelujah. Because you said that, I was able to release that angel to do something you didn't even know was coming. And something that I'm working on for the church that I'm not quite ready to share with the congregation yet. Something that I want to buy. And, and there's an angel that's been there for two years protecting that. 
He said that to me. He said, he's been standing for two years. Per day. I said, but Lord, I only knew about this last month. He said, but you've been saying every day, the angel of the Lord goes before me to prosper me in the way. So you don't need to know the specifics. If you know, then release the angel specifically. But if you don't, you can still talk generally and I'll do it specifically. Oh my God, did you hear that? You can talk generally and I'll do it specifically because your brain doesn't caught up yet to the specifics, but I know what's on the path ahead of you. You just talk general, I'll deal with the specifics. Until you know the specifics, then deal with specifics. But if you don't know, so it's so powerful just to say, the angel of the Lord goes before me to prosper me. Prosper me in the way. Prosper me. Prosper me. Prosper me. That's favor. That's equipment. That's protection. Oh, that's, that's deliverance. That's pulling things off me when I need it. Adding things to me. See what? Pulling off what you don't need and don't want and adding things to. That's the equipment. Angels will help with timings. They'll help with, they'll help, they'll help, they'll help me. Amen. Hope you're getting it because if, if uh, my job is to preach it to you, my job is not to make you live it. I'm giving you answers. If you live it, you will be helped. I live this and I'm seeing it work, but you, I can't make you live it. I can only present it to you. I would highly encourage you to live it because you'll see you will not suffer for it. You will be blessed. Have a look at 1 Kings 19 verse 5. 1 Kings 19 verse 5. Hallelujah. 1 Kings 19. Let's look at verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as one as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She says, I'm giving you 24 hours. If I don't, if I don't kill you, let God kill me. It, it's a threatening statement. It's an assassination. She's letting him know. And when he saw that, now this, this is the guy that just called fire down Tyrone. <laughs> this is the guy that just called fire down and then took the prophets down to the brook. And I've been there, Lorraine, you haven't, but I've been right there, right there where he saw that, where he saw the thing. And I showed the brook Cherith. It's a tiny, it's tiny. It's a tiny, you'll barely see it in the grass, but there's a tiny little brook there. That's where he took the prophets down and slit their throats. Talk about boldness. But have you noticed that when the minister is bold under the anointing, but when that anointing lifts off him, he's just like you. Because yeah. yeah. he's bold under the anointing. Now he's a scaredy cat. Now he's a fraidy cat. What happened to your boldness, brother Elijah? What happened to sitting the throats of 400 men at the brook? Elijah, big prophet Elijah. What happened to calling down the, thing, the cloud and running past the king? What happened to all that, big prophet man Elijah? Well, the Bible says in James that he's subject to like passions as we are. He was scared because the lady said she's going to murder him and that anointing's not always on that prophet. See, I'm very bold in the pulpit when the anointing's on me, but you know what? When I get back there, Lorraine, and that anointing lifts off me, I just feel like sometimes, many times, just deflated. Sometimes like, oh, so I guess this is just that anointing. Lord, can't that just stay on me a little bit longer? Because I kind of need, I got some big fish to fry here. I got some big hurdles to overcome. If I had that anointing, it would be so much easier, but I got to walk it out like by faith, just like you do. I, that anointing doesn't stay on me after I preach. It comes off me. It's for service to the family of God, but then it lifts off. Does, it not, doesn't help me necessarily. Now, the gifts of the Spirit can still operate, and I can still tap into the anointing that I need on a day-to-day -day basis, which is a ministerial anointing plus a private anointing, but I'm saying the preaching anointing doesn't stay, that boldness doesn't stay all the time. 
I have to just put two, one foot in front of the other. The one who knows this the most is that man over there in the gray suit, Mr. Errol. Because Mr. Errol hears Pastor Craig, big, bold Pastor Craig, and you hear him, I call him, Errol, I don't know what we're going to do. I, I don't know what, a, and he's so kind. See, I can't, I got to trust her. I can't say that to everybody. I can't say that to people who will pass judgment. I have to have a safe place to sometimes share my heart because I'm not always the bold lion. I, I do, it does lift off and I do have to go just by faith without any feelings attached. But then he's, uh, he's there and he'll say, Pastor, don't worry, I'm standing with you. Yep, no, that's right. No, we're going to have it. No, don't you, well, Pastor, we're going to have it. I don't need somebody agreeing with the devil when I'm, when I'm vulnerable. I don't need somebody saying, well, you know, I don't know why this is going to have the offering this week. Those rats they didn't give last week. I don't know what. I don't know. Oh, my God. Call it. We need. I'll call you back, Pastor. I'm going to call a prayer. I don't need that. I don't need somebody getting in doubt and unbelief, especially if I'm vulnerable. I need somebody saying, Pastor, don't you worry. The word of God is true. It will all come to pass. Don't mind. I'm sure he doesn't always feel that, but he has enough sense to just tell me that whether he feels it or not, because he knows I need to hear faith. I don't need to hear, I don't know. Right. I need to hear amen, yes and amen. Let the righteous, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Pastor, it's all coming to, see, I need that too, just like you need that. Yeah. You come to me for counseling so I can help you, so I can say amen. But sometimes I need that too. So I got good staff that I'll say, what do you think? It will come to pass. You see, I'm not just paying them to make phone calls, I'm paying them for their faith. Amen. Yes. Praise God. So he's scared, he's a fraidy cat. And verse 3, and when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Bathsheba that belongs to Judah and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. This is the big prophet. Lord, kill me. I, I don't even want to live. Lord, I'm the only one that loves you. And that woman hates me. Oh God, just kill me now. See, when you've said that, Elijah said it too. See, this is what people are when they don't have faith, when they don't have the anointing, because we all have hard times. I'm not justifying it, I'm just saying it's a fact. And he requested himself, Taylor, that he might die, and he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay there, <laughs> he just, he got so depressed, he went to sleep. There was no TV to watch. There was no steak to make. He couldn't watch his favorite Instagram thing. So he just went to sleep. When you're that bored and there's nothing there but a stick and a rock and you're depressed, the only thing you can do is sleep. And he go, poor guy. He lies down and sleeps under the juniper tree and behold, an angel touched him. God sent an angel to help him. And the angel touched him and said, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Herob, the Mount of God. Yeah. And this is a fa fascinating story. That means in this case, it's possible. I'm, don't get weird with it. But it's possible that angels can actually make you food. Wow. But don't get weird and say, well, I'm really running late for work today. Now, angels, you make me those eggs now because I'm running late. That's not what it's for. I can just picture you, Jessica. Now, angel, now, now come on. Now, I said scrambled, not fried. Do it again. No, that's not what we're talking about. 
But Jessica, if you ever find yourself in the wilderness under a juniper tree asking for God to kill you, if you ever find yourself there, you might wake up to some scrambled eggs. You never know. God saw the great need. And that angel was there, and that angel strengthened him. That angel gave him physical food. That angel, and I would imagine, encouraged him. That's amazing to me. Praise God. I won't read it for sake of time, but you can look it up in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is praying and his sweat was like drops of blood and he's under tremendous pressure. The Bible says an angel appeared to him, stood beside him and strengthened him. That means angels, when I'm physically weak, angels can actually cause me to have strength. When I am discouraged, angels can encourage me. Now, don't get weird because you have to encourage yourself in the Lord, but they can. They can bring a word of encouragement to you. If I don't have food and it's an emergency, angels can actually even bring me food. Now, I don't know how this, I'll end with this. I have other stuff, but I have to close. Uh, uh, but but I'll, I'll end with this. That I don't know how this happened, so don't get weird with it. I'm saying some things we don't always understand, but I'm just telling you the story. It happened. David Hogan tells his, his pastors, don't borrow money from the bank. Because if you can't pay the money back, and there it's different to here. They put you in prison and they throw the key away. And your children have to work off the debt. And if you don't have children, you never get out of prison. There is no justice system like we have here in the jungles. It's jungle justice. So you don't borrow money unless you can pay it back. I mean, it's a totally different world there. Like, like it's almost like, like, like from 100 years ago, even though it's modern day. But they're, they're so archaic in their, in their, they don't have modern laws and systems that we have. So he says to the pastors, if you need money, borrow it from me. First of all, I won't charge you interest, and I won't put you in prison. But the pastor disobeyed him, one of his pastors, and went to borrow the money. Well, sure enough, he couldn't pay it back. So they're coming after him. And they told him, by Friday, we're putting you in, putting you in prison. You come up with the money by Friday, or you're done for. And he didn't have children, and he only had his wife was older, and was she going to go work in the fields? Now it would take her probably 20 years in the fields to pay that money back. So he's thinking of running away from Mexico. I mean, what else do you do? You just start walking and you hope that they don't have hound dogs to catch you. I mean, what else do you do? But because we have Jesus, he didn't just do what the world does and run away. He started to get on his knees and he said, Father, I repent. And the Lord said, go talk to your pastor. So he came up humbly to Brother David and he said, Brother David, I've done the wrong thing. Now, it's not wrong to borrow money, but it was wrong when Brother David told him not to. Yeah. Then he disobeyed. He, did, he didn't regard the man of God. Yes. Do you understand the difference? So he said, I borrowed money. He said, why did you do that? He said, because I, I was embarrassed to tell you of my needs. And I didn't want you to know that I had these needs. So I borrowed money and I can't pay it back. And I've got till Friday. And they're going to put me in prison. And he said, I don't know what to do. And so the Lord said to David, don't pay it for him. Listen, you disobey God you don't always just get a free ride every time. He said, tell him you'll pray and fast with him, but don't just hand him the money. Because David was going to just hand him the money. So God was, you know what I'm saying? There's a little bit of tough love here. God's not a pushover. If as parents, we're not pushovers. You can tell God's got a lot of mercy, but he's not a pushover either. So David said, the Lord told me I'm not, to, I'm not paying this for you. You did this. But I'm not going to leave you alone either and let you go to prison. I'm going to fast and pray with you. We're going to believe for a miracle. So they both started to fast and pray. I think it was two days, two or three days. And then David uh, has a dream. I think it was the second night, if I remember correctly. He has a dream. And he sees an angel carrying a satchel, like a 
bag of some kind walking through the jungle toward this pastor's house. And then the dream ended. He didn't know what that meant. But it was an angel carrying a bag. So that was a, the night time. The next morning, the man goes off. He's fasting, but he still has to work. <laughs> so he goes off to work to do what he does. You see, in the ministry there, they don't get really paid by their churches like we do because they don't have enough money. So the pastors work in the fields. Yeah. Do you understand? So he goes off to the fields to work because they still have to eat that week. And the churches sometimes are so small and the tithe is so small, they don't have enough to survive. So the pastor has to work a job, just like I did years ago. And he, so he goes off to the field. Now he's still fasting and working. You know how hard that is? Yeah. So that's a big sacrifice. Yes. In the hot sun of Mexico, without food, but see, he, he's desperate. He don't want to go to prison. So he's out there fasting and working in the field. And his wife, she, they, the woman, they stay home. They don't, some of them work in the field, but she stayed home. She, her job is at home. And so she is cooking food and everything like that. And so they have these little broom thingies. And she goes out. They have a, these are huts, but they've got a, a version of a porch. I don't think it looks like our porches, but it's a version of some kind of a porch, a landing area outside. And the leaves of the trees sometimes make a mess. And so every day, as her habit was, she would clean the leaves. And she noticed the leaves had piled up in the corner a little bit more than normal. So she took the broom and she's trying to get the leaves away. And as she does that, she sees some money sticking out from the bottom corner of the... When she moved the leaf and she stood back and then she comes on her knees and she pulls all the leaves away. And there are piles of money, brand new peso bills, stacks of it under the leaves. She picks the money up. She goes up into their version of their attic, like in their rafters. She has a little, little thing there. She puts it up there. She puts things around it so nobody can see. And she sits there, oh my God, oh my God, what's, what's this money from? She didn't realize, I guess she didn't have any faith. She didn't even praise God that he had delivered her. She didn't know what was going on. She thought maybe a drug dealer. She didn't know. Maybe somebody was running from the police and stashed their loot there. She doesn't know what's going on. Her husband comes home at the end of the day and he sa she says, I've got to show you something. And she, she pulls back and he sees all these new peso bills. She says, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It was under the leaves. Nobody puts money under leaves. Who put the money under the leaves? But, so they count the money. And the money was exactly what they needed, plus I think about 50,000 pesos more. Now 50,000 pesos isn't very much. It's not $50,000. 50,000 pesos might be 10 or 20 bucks or whatever it is. But it was exactly what they needed with a little extra. So he starts trekking through the jungle at night, going to Brother David's house. And they come fearing and trembling to the door. And they said, Brother David, we don't know what to tell you. But we found, they told him the whole story. And the Holy Ghost said, that was the angel. So David said, don't worry. It's not some drug dealer that stashed his money there while he's on the run. You don't have to go report it to the police or hand it off to somebody. I saw an angel walking through the forest with a bag in his hand. And I didn't know he was walking towards your house, but I didn't know what was in the bag. Evidently, the peso bills were in his bag. Take the money, pay your debt, and have the little extra. Look at the mercy. <laughs> he paid their debt and bought them dinner. I'm sure they went to Heart Sushi that night. I don't know if there was a heart sushi there, Errol, but if there was, that's where they went. Maybe they went to Taco Bell. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they made their own Taco Bell. I don't know. Maybe the bell was ringing and they made their own tacos. I don't know. But all I know is that they paid their debt and they had enough left over for dinner. Now you ask me, now Dad Hagen said God doesn't, is not a counterfeiter and he's right. 
God can't send money from heaven because money's not minted in heaven the way it is on earth. So, but I'm, so God, that didn't, money didn't come from heaven. That money was printed by the Mexican government. Where did the money come from? I don't know. But I like to hypothesize. I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe they stashed the money on a drug deal. Maybe somebody lost the money. I don't know. But that angel knew where it was. The angels don't steal from banks. They can't break God's law. So that money wasn't, the angel didn't steal the money. Because that would be against the word. The angel didn't bring it from heaven because God doesn't mint money in heaven. He's not a counterfeiter. So it didn't come from heaven. It came from the earth and it was somewhere on the earth, but it couldn't have been robbed because God wouldn't do that. So I don't know where that money was or how that angel found it. But what I'm trying to tell you is that angel got his hands on a whole lot of pesos and brought it through the forest and put it under some leaves so that the pastor who made the error who deserved what he deserved. But because of fasting and praying, the angel, God delivered them through the hand of an angel and even gave them a taco dinner. <laughs> Taylor, you're not in that situation. But if you ever are, I'll fast and pray. <laughs> and God will deliver you. If, if I'm in that, would you fast and pray for me? And I'll take you for dinner afterward. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I, I, there was other verses that I, I could have got to, but we've all those bunny trails that I knew that you wanted me to say, Father. I knew there were nuggets that people needed to hear. But as a result of that, Lord, I, couldn't, I ran out of time to finish my notes. But that's okay. I feel that what needed to be communicated was communicated. Lord, you've got a thousand ways of supplying our need. You can do it through us opening a new business. You can do it through us working another shift. You can do it through the government. You can do it through an unexpected return or tax refund or something like that. You can do it through care packages where somebody just ha comes up and hands us money. You can do it through a relative that we didn't even know about that all of a sudden knows our name and puts us on their will. Father, you can do it through an angel. If it comes down to it, an angel can even bring us a supply if it's necessary, if there's no other way. And Lord, I believe in that case in the jungle, there was no other way. So Lord, you went to the extreme and had that angel do that. That's not a common practice because in most cases, there are other ways that you can supply the need. But Lord, if it comes down to it and there's no other way, an angel, can angels know where, the, where, where, where money is that's unclaimed? And angels can even help us if it came down to it. Lord, no, we're not claiming that and we're not going to get weird with that where now we're saying angels to go and find money and bring it to that. Lord, we're not doing that. We're putting our faith in you and we're just releasing the angels to go and cause us to prosper. However that is, they cause us to prosper. If it comes down to like that man in the jungle, then so be it. But in most cases, Father, their ministry to cause us to prosper is in other capacities. Lord, I say that example to the people so that they would know that nothing's impossible, that nothing's off the table and God can even go to the extreme if the situation requires it and if faith is released. So Lord, I thank you no matter what they're going through tonight financially. That Lord, much was shared in this service as nuggets, as truth, as help. If they had ears to hear, if they inclined their ears tonight to really listen and to receive. Lord, I believe that they've received answers tonight to help them in their journey financially. And that angels are with them to strengthen them, to prosper them, to bring equipment to them, to pull things off them, to surround them with favor, to go before them and to prosper them in the way, to cause them to 
prosper because God wants them to prosper. It pleases you, Father, when we prosper. And angels do what pleases you. So, Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Lord God Saboeth, the God of the armies of angels. Even when we tithe, angels are connected to that tithe and to go and see the windows of heaven prosper us because they are the, they are the armies released when the tithe goes out. So, Father, I thank you for your word, for the richness of your word. We hold on to it, Father, and we will live it, not just hear it, but be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. We'll practice this in day-to-day -day living. We'll practice it even tonight on our way home, starting to release those angels by speaking the word, believing for increase to come. For Lord, being planted in the right place and faithful causes increase, and releasing our angels causes increase. These are the two things you said to me last Friday and tonight to focus on, and I, Father, I've endeavored to obey you. So I thank you that the people receive it, and they are blessed because of it.